We didn't get a testimony this morning, um, a video testimony like we've been enjoying on Sunday mornings. Uh, We will next week, I hope. And I've enjoyed them so much, Chris. John introduced the idea of video testimonies so that we could see Jesus revealing his love in people. And as a result, we then have a clearer picture of Jesus. So I really encourage you, if you haven't taped your testimony, please do it. Because we want to see Jesus loving you and sharing that. And I think that's what we've done with the book of Philippians. John and Mark and Gary have done such a great job because they have not only um, digested and portrayed back to us uh, Apostle Paul and how Apostle Paul found God in the trials and how God loved Apostle Paul so much that he could keep on the work that he was doing. But John and Mark and Gary each shared how it affected them and what of those principles in the word. And so that's what I hope to do today. Because if I can at all reveal something that makes you thirsty and makes you hungry, because really at the end of the day, it's really what you're doing with God. It's really that connection with you and God that gives strength. So on Sunday mornings, we hope to be salt and, and light and just get you hungry to connect with God. I love the worship. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Heather. Thank you, Kirsten. Continually, and thank you, guitar players. <laughs> They're taking us to another level because what happens is it's going past our mind into our experience and we're just opening ourselves up and I want more of you and as we sing it we start experiencing it so my question this morning is how is the book of Philippians changing you in the last 10 weeks we've looked at this book what difference has it made for you or let me ask in a crisis that you're facing right now, what new strength are you experiencing? How is it going from information to experience? Because I know it is for each of you. And the privilege to share how it's affecting me is is just amazing because God is active and alive in his word. It, It cuts right between um, the, the soul and the spirit and it brings something to life in you so you have a little piece of paper in your bulletin with a little blank there I invite you to if you wish write down what you need from God this morning if there's a crisis that you're facing if there's even something perhaps it's a bad habit you want to get rid of or a reconciled relationship or maybe even some of you just say, I just want to hear God, then I invite you to write that down. Because I really believe the more clear we have of the destination, the more invested we will be in learning how to get there. And that's, that's what we want to talk about this morning. How? John did an excellent job opening the the series, when he opened the series, and he said, you find Christ in the crisis by accepting that life is going to have crises and enduring. 
So he started us off right away saying, this is how. So let's get practical. Let's really find out what that how is going to look at. Let's look at Philippians 1, verse 9 to 11, because this is the destination that Paul prayed for his church. This is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern. That's you again, each of us, right? You may be able to discern what is pure, what is best, and what may be pure and blameless before on the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Now there's a destination. There's a destination, but Frank, if you wanna go to the next slide, how many of us, this happens? All of a sudden we get stuck on the pure and blameless and it just starts blinking and spinning. And what we start thinking is, oh my, can I say I'm pure and blameless, really? I think I've had more critical thoughts before I even opened my eyes. I mean, we talk about these God moments, but there happens to be me moments more often than not. And, and I start looking at that and I get fixated on that goal. And there's a couple reactions and I'm gonna paint the big spectrum. And you can't tell me that you haven't had these reactions because I've heard you. <laughs> and, and I've heard myself Within even the same conversation, I go from one extreme to the other. And that one extreme is, nobody's perfect. Right? God doesn't expect me to be perfect. And you just throw up our hands. There's just this resignation. You know, if God wants me prepared and blameless, he better do it. That's all there is to it. You know, I'm just here. He saved me. That's what it is. And then the far other side of the spectrum Eek, I guess I better try a bit harder. <laughs> you know, that slipped out of my mouth or that thought or, or, or I forgot to do that. So we have this whole spectrum. And as they said, I've heard you. I've heard us in Connect Group, right? I just, I know I need to serve. I just got to try a bit harder. I just got to do a bit more. We, we do this, don't we? So I'm going to share a bit of my story. It was 1994, and I was single. I had just finished 15 years with social work, and I was just loving it. I was in this new vineyard church, and I was on staff doing children's ministry. And I was on the worship team, and I was on the ministry team. We got to travel, and it just felt like everything that I had been trained for in university and Bible college, even the music lessons growing up, just fit. And it, it was great. It was great. And then... I found myself kind of lingering after band practice. Um, had a very handsome worship leader, Mark Cowper Smith, and we started dating. And um, we we wanted to do it right, so we went to professional counseling. We submitted ourselves to leadership. We did everything. But after a year, we were married, and our anniversary was yesterday. Happy anniversary! And so we were set, and there we were. But you know, six weeks after our honeymoon, we came back and, right, we thought we had this straight trajectory, but all of a sudden Mark wasn't on the teaching schedule. And this was a big church and he planted it. But the man he had raised up 
to um, administrate the five-fold gifting, things weren't going very well. And all of a sudden, Mark wasn't invited to elders' meetings. And at about that time, Mark's mom died. We went out to Victoria to stay with a very grieving father. And uh, it was a dismal time. Victoria, I'm sorry, has the clouds, honey. I know you all think it's perfect, but it was dismal. And we started getting phone calls. Now, you have to understand, this was a really loving church. Really loving church. God burst into that place in a big time, and we were doing well. We had three buildings, lots of meetings, lots of ministries. But we've started getting phone calls about rumors, things that Mark had supposedly done which were not true, or, th- or believed which were not true. And you very wisely told me, Mark, not to defend you. And I'm so thankful for you saying that. And for some reason, I listened. <laughs> new bride, new bride. But you've got to understand, this new bride named Shelly, um, verbal expressions are, are sort of natural, like breathing. Like breathing. <laughs> but I stayed quiet. But what happened? We came back to Canada, and we started working in, in Calgary, and we started... And I broke out in boils and cysts all over my body. I'd had a liver failure, started fasting and juicing, trying to get rid of it, but eventually had to take a pharmaceutical drug, which is now recalled and in a lawsuit as it has damaged organs of thousands of people. And I immediately got ill, developed a very painful disorder, dropped down to 84 pounds. Um, My pituitary glands stopped working. I went into early, immediate menopause with all those lovely symptoms physical and emotional, went down. But do you know what? I didn't stop working because I had done this all my life. If something's not going well, you just work harder, right? And, and I even worked harder at praying. I worked harder at studying. I worked, I worked, I worked. And I'd go into the office and, and do all the stuff I had learned in university and management and reconciliation and counseling and everything, and it just got worse. And I just got weaker and sicker. And finally, Mark, he took away my office keys and he fired me. Had to fire me. But you see, I had to come to the end of my work. My, even though they were godly things. You know? So let me put a little pause there because I want to take us back to our verses and see if we can start seeing another root. Because obviously my root wasn't working and I was 100% useless. So the last three words I want us to look at. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. Let's look at what that means in the Greek. It's the word dia. It's a preposition showing the channel of an act, the vehicle for something to be completed. Did you get it? Remember when we started talking about learning our destination, but now figuring out how to get to our destination. So we're getting some clues here. There's a vehicle. There's a vehicle. Let's look at the next. Philippians 3.9, I consider everything a loss that I may gain Christ and be found in him in and that greek word 
is a state or condition of close personal association or union or joining together which makes an activity or an event possible that couldn't have happened any other way. It's a relation of rest. Something is being provided so that the activity can be completed. Power-packed prepositions. That's what I call these. Next one. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through. That, again, is our dia, the vehicle. But the faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God, ek, which means the origin, the point of action from which the motion proceeds. Do you, do you see here? Now, you may wonder why I'm spending all this time on three little prepositions. I really believe we're in a culture that skims. Right? Internet studies show you have 2.5 seconds on a website to grab somebody's information. Or grab their attention. <laughs> that was something. It's probably grabbing your information too, right? But, but what's happening is, as a result, we're a quick society. We're skimming, we're skimming, we're skimming. We have lost the art of meditation. Yeah. As we slow down this morning, and we really start to think about these this vehicle, this new creation that he has made us, I'm not sharing anything that John and Mark and Gary and our guest speakers haven't already shared. We all know that we do these things through Christ, that we're in Christ. We all know that. At least we think we know that, right? We think we know that. But are we exercising that? I heard a statement I really appreciate uh, from Neil Nibo, a uh, fellow pastor in the area. He said, we have exchanged explanations for exercise. Instead of acting, instead of becoming action-oriented, we're settling with the information. Now, my new friends, Bill and Diana Sterling, have been taking a bunch of us just a leap in learning about coaching. And coaching is an action-based discipline. As I said, I think I've settled for just knowing. So I'm going to share with you a couple practical things about what that looked like. Because if we don't get practical, then I don't know. But before I do, I want to look at one more verse. God gave me to present to you, this is Paul talking, the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. See, we would be very comfortable with saying the gospel, the gospel, we have our sins forgiven and we're connected with God and we're going to heaven. 
But do you see, as this is unpacked, Paul is saying the same thing. I want you, he is saying this to the Colossians, I want you to have the full knowledge, the full understanding, which is Christ in you. You see, it is true that our sins are forgiven. We're going to heaven. But it is so much more. Do you remember how John talked about grace? And he just said, it's so much more. His wisdom, his power, his love. That if we stop at our information of the gospel, if we stop there and don't get in the vehicle to take us, and we're trying to be holy and blameless on our own, we're trying to create good habits, and we're trying to do this, we are missing the gospel. I want to give you a word picture, if that's the correct term. I find when I'm learning something, if I have a picture in my mind, that'll help me remember it. I think of some of the sermons I've loved the most from John and Mark and Gary have been ones that have had a picture attached to them. So I'm going to show you a picture of a sailboat now. There you go. That's an interesting word picture of being in Christ. Because in this boat, too, those sails are filled with wind. See, we have a part. If you're going to go sailing, you have a part, don't you? What do you got to do? Set the sails. Get in the boat. Get in the boat, right? You're not going to sail if you're not in the boat. So I want you to hold that word picture. Now, last week, Gary used a word you know, he had a word picture. How many of you remember Miles, his new puppy? Oh, yes. And that he used that because if he didn't train Miles, Miles would be a renegade dog. Reprobate? Okay, that's good. See, we're not going to forget that picture. No, we're not going to forget that picture. So if the sailboat image doesn't help you, I have another picture. I will not be outdone. By, by another dog from my, from my co-leader. But in the middle of that picture, can you zero in on the middle of that picture? Emmett is in the bag. Do you see it? Okay, that dog, <laughs> that dog ran our life for 15 years. He was the meanest Little, little reprobate, untrained dog, right? But every morning, after, after he lost his sight, he lost his hearing, he lost his teeth, he lost everything. Wait, it, was just, it was just a mess. But he would make it to the front door to be put in the bag to go for a walk. He couldn't go for a walk without being put in the bag. So again, I'm throwing those memory, those little pictures in your mind. But what I'm going to do is just share with you what it looked like for me because I had to build a relationship with God based on his love and not on my effort. He didn't choose to completely physically heal me immediately. Although he did choose to completely heal a cyst behind my knee. I wore a brace for years and this one Pentecostal spinning around woman just had to pray for my knee. And I mean, I have no faith for healing. We've been prayed for all over this world. She put her hand on my, my knee and the cyst dissolved 
and I never had to wear a brace again. So I know there is powerful, immediate supernatural healing, but in this case, I had to develop muscles. I had to develop a relationship with God. The first thing I'm going to share is that I had to daily choose to let go. Daily. I still do. I was, you know, when I was creating this thing we're doing this morning, I got a bunch of examples, and they were great. Over the last 18 years, there's been great ways that God has just, bam, loved me and revealed to me. And so I wrote those down, but I think he had another idea. I think he wanted me to have a current test so that this could just be really fresh, okay? So, you know, my jaw swole up, I got a cold and all these other things. I was thinking, yes, yes, you know, Father... Thank you. You've, you've loved me so much through my physical pain that now when physical pain comes, I just rest back into you and let you carry me. And it's wonderful, wonderful. I would, I would go through what I went through just for that. Time and time and time, he's had to carry me. And now it's just, it's kind of an automatic thing. But I, what I wasn't ready for was this one getting sick. <laughs> I had watched Mark for the last two years lose more and more mobility with his hip. And um, then he went through hip surgery to get his cyst removed and hasn't been sleeping at night. And, and it just tears my heart apart. And then he got the bad cold. And just seeing the pressures on his life while he's trying to deal with these things, it just broke my heart. And for some reason, I wasn't taking the grace that I have learned in the physical into this other stressful area, I was still trying to be helpful. How is that working for you, dear? <laughs> not working at all. I, I love this man because he does not tolerate me in my flesh. He just, he just pulls back. And, you know, I honestly have to say, in the early days, I just thought, you just, you know, it's like, God, are you sure you wanted me to marry him? Because he just doesn't seem to like me. <laughs> but you know, as he's been reading his prayer journals, they're full of prayers for me. Every day. The best friend you will ever have is the one that does not let you stay in self-pity. And I, I just applaud you. Because... I had to daily choose to let go of everything. Remember the Mother's Day sermon? All the moms had the same theme. They had to let go, right? Kelly, when she shared, she's just like learning to parent two totally different children and letting go of everything that she thought would work. And, and the same with the other ladies. It was this letting go so that's what happens. But in this present trial, I wasn't queuing into needing to let go. And, and I put something up there. Even anxious questions or fear-based prayers, Lord, show me what to do, show me what to do. Those can be evidences that you're not resting. Now, I'm not saying that's not a good prayer. That's a good prayer. Show me what to do. But it's a whole different prayer when you're resting in him. Because he actually has the strength to do what you're going to be called to do. Philippians 2. Work out what he's worked in. 
starts to make some sense now when we're thinking of these prepositions. And the second thing I did was um, I had been trained as a young Christian to memorize scripture. And um, when I got sick, this, this, this seemed very hard, but I just kept with it. And some weeks it would be only stringing two words together, since then, since then you. And that was all I could do. But something happened in that. I started experiencing God. Like, as I said in the beginning, his words are alive. So it was actually a shared experience. Just sitting there on since then, you have been raised with Christ. Just sitting on that. It's like he came in me. And I started to experience him. So if you can meditate and memetize, meditate, Memorize your problems, and I have heard you guys do some very good jobs on reciting things. So I know. I'm not saying it's easy. And I'm not saying you should jump to memorize a whole psalm if it's two words. I invite you this week, two words to let them sit in you. Sit in you. Key chapters, like Romans 8. Key chapters. Colossians 3. Absolutely key the other thing that Mark was really encouraging was everybody that asked to pray for us, he let us. He let them pray for us. And um, he, we, were, we felt very, um, it was a hard time, so to speak. So, but one of our couples uh, had a style of prayer called inner healing. And what happened was sitting with me and inviting the Lord to reveal himself to me started exposing some lies. Big lies. And we need the ministry of the body for this. There's a reason they call them blind spots. <laughs> You're blind to them. So to sit with a partner and invite the Holy Spirit to reveal lies. I mean, one of the lies I had was that I was too sick to have my quiet time. I was too tired to read. I couldn't understand anything. Well, that was absolutely true. Couldn't understand a thing. But that would be like telling your child, you're too sick for mommy to hold you. What kind of lies do we get planted in our hearts and in our minds that we feel we have to bend ourselves into a pretzel in order to have a quiet time? Good grief. He wants to hold you. <laughs> and so it is really crucial um, that you be a part of ministry from one another. Katrin Lotz is raising up a wonderful team of prayer warriors that will sit with you. And honestly, if you don't remember anything I've said today, just get with Katrin. Just sit with a partner, honestly. Because any words I'm sharing now, they may bounce right off if there's some lies that you're believing about who God is. Are we connecting on that? You see, what's happening is shared experiences start to create intimacy. And intimacy creates strength. So the more shared experiences in the good and in the bad. One of the things I started doing was this little game I have with God because he's always with us 
And so I ask him, I know you're here. How do you want to reveal yourself to me? And it just became this little game. So sometimes when we're running, and I remember your sermon, Kirsten, of how you interact with God when you're running, he, I would say, I know you're here. Where, what do you want to reveal to me? And he'd say, I'm right inside. I'm your breath. That was so beautiful. And then he'd say, I'm right beside you because I want to enjoy this scenery. <laughs> and sometimes he's like, I'm the father. I'm in front calling you on. You can do it. You can do it. And then the other day I was, um, I'd put too many things on my schedule and I said, I know you're here, Jesus. Where are you? And he said, I'm resting. What are you doing? <laughs> Isn't that? So it became this game. It, it became this lighthearted sitting with him in the good times. And that's why we believe so much in connect groups, people. So much. Because in the good times and the bad times, you're with people and sharing experiences with God. Sharing sharing just everything. You see, we tend to make this God thing so ridiculously complicated. So ridiculously complicated. Think of any relationship you have. How do you grow in it? How do you experience being with that person? Or as a couple, experiencing that oneness. You spend time, right? You just hang out and you share the good things and you share the bad things so it's not about finding the middle in the spectrum of giving resignation or trying too hard i want you to throw that whole spectrum in the water and get in the boat okay because we're never going to find the balance between striving and resignation the only energy that God wants you to use is to be getting connected with him. That is where your energy needs to go. And um, Dallas Willard has this wonderful quote. He's an author I really appreciate. He says, um, oh, we're we're a couple slides away. Uh, There we go. The path of spiritual growth in the riches of Christ is not a passive one. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. Okay? Grace, effort is action. So, earning is an attitude, right? Effort, put your action in the best place. Romans 8 says it really well. Instead of redoubling our own effort, simply embrace what the Spirit is doing in us. Those who trust God's action in them find that God's spirit is in them living and breathing. But I I don't want you to take my word for it. I don't. I want you to find him. You know, Paul's prayers for his people are filled with, I want them to experience the breadth and length and height and depth of God's love. We read the words, I want, you know, he, he wants us to know God. That word know is the most intimate word you can imagine. Now we're, we've sort of muddled it all up and, and been comfortable with it being up here. If we can explain it, we know it. No. No. At the deepest, darkest times, 
you want to have a pathway already well-worn to him. I I learned this on the dental chair. (laughs) Right? Lessons on a dental chair. Exactly. There's nothing more vulnerable than being in a dental chair, right? Your mouth is open and they're asking how you're doing. It's like, come on, get you, your instruments and your hands are in there. What am I, how am I supposed to answer? You're vulnerable. You're totally vulnerable. And there was one time where we were down there in, in Mexico and they had tried four vials of Novocaine and it wasn't working. It was almost an hour they were trying to be, but I had an infected, impacted tooth and I just wanted it out. So I said, go ahead anyway, just, just do it. And so they would work five minutes and then take a break. And I would just lying there. I was so vulnerable. I was so vulnerable. I was just undone. And I was crying out to God, how, how am I supposed to worship you? I'm so undone. And he brought this memory to mind of an occasion at a praise gathering where Heather was leading us in worship and the majesty of God was becoming so tangible. And many of us were, were down on the floor. It was, and I felt like I am undone. And I thought, that's the same feeling of vulnerability. But that worship was good. This is bad, okay? But I started to realize the only difference, the only difference was the focus. So I grabbed it and I started worshiping in that undone place. The best worship experience I've ever had. Now, I tentatively said I would do it again, but... uh, (laughs) But honestly, in my journal I wrote later, that was the most expensive worship conference I've ever done. (laughs) But honestly, it was like this path had already been... Thing of me feeling vulnerable and me receiving. And so I, I, I just, at one of the breaks, I said to the assistant, do you have any pain in your body? Because I think God would like to heal. He's here. And Mark came in. We prayed for her. Do you remember? And she was healed. And, and the next week we came back and she talked to us all about that. And, and again, that could have all been lost if I had not had that experience that helped me focus and worship instead. John used the term, pain can be a doorway. Trials can be a doorway for more intimacy, more shared experience. What's the trial you're facing? What's the biggest need on your heart? Like I look at some grandparents and I know right away it's your grandkids and your, and your kids and the longing you have to see them peaceful. If we could just close our eyes for a minute.
Holy Spirit, you're, you're the one that is the source. You're the one that initiates. You're the one we come to now. The Lord wants you to ask him a question. He just <clears throat> gave me this question. He wants every one of us to ask him. So just close your eyes. And here's the question he wants you to ask him. He's saying, ask me how you can come and be in me. So it's, how, Lord, how can I come and be in you? That word in means to be in such close association and unity with that it results in an altered state that makes another thing possible that wasn't possible. The other thing that it makes possible in this situation is genuine righteousness, genuine rightness with God, a peace that is not humanly attainable, a rest that can't be achieved any other way, a depth of knowing that actually changes us. So he's saying, ask me, just ask me, how can I come and be with you like that, in you like that, that makes all these other things possible that I could never do in my own effort? And if you'll just ask him that question right now, Let's do it together. Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus, please show me how, in a very practical way, I can come to you in my life, in my circumstance, and be in you like that. What does it look like? What can I do? What attitude can I have do I need? Just help me here, Lord. Show me. Now pay attention to what he shows you and what he says. Because he's going to. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? 